Hello, and welcome to yet another Marvel show, episode 7. We've had a little bit of an unintended hiatus here. My name is Shay, and I'm your host. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while. It's been a few weeks, I think, at this point. Maybe a month, which is kind of crazy. Not an intended hiatus, like I said. Uh, it's just been really busy, and I've taken a break from this podcast and also uploading on my YouTube channel while adjusting to a new... I almost coughed. That's why my voice did that weird thing. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, adjusting to this new schedule that I have, because a little bit of a personal note, um, I started another job, so I'm dealing with that this new schedule and balancing keeping up with my stuff at home and cooking meals and cleaning and stuff like that while also getting enough sleep for these work days that I have and so all of my extra stuff kind of went on the back burner for a little bit but I am back and I will be back with She-Hulk stuff. I think I'm gonna do probably just a finale episode especially because it's now Wednesday as I'm recording this podcast and I still haven't recorded the catch-up episode that I've been planning on doing from catching up on episodes that I've missed. So I'm probably just going to wait until the finale comes out tonight and do the catch-up episode tomorrow and talk about the finale and kind of review the show overall. I guess that's one thing that we can talk about first is that I did kind of get bored with She-Hulk, not going to lie. Overall, I really like what they're doing with the characters. Um, I'm really satisfied by it. I didn't read much of She-Hulk before this show, which has inspired me to get into the comics. And I think a lot of it is just really true to that. I like a lot of the commentary that they're doing. They're clearly forcing these points of views and conversations out there that a lot of people are not ready for. I'll get more into this when I do the actual video, but I do really appreciate the show for what it is. And I knew going in that it's supposed to be a slice of life, kind of sitcom-y, you know, not this necessarily overarching story. That's how it was billed to me. And that's fine. In practice, like in reality, I feel like they had to pick one. Because there clearly is an overarching story happening, right? But it's also this slice of life, episodic thing happening. Episodic type of TV shows, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure there are more than nine episodes a season. And sometimes those things do have overarching stories. Or you have something like Sunny, um, where they reference things from past seasons, and there is kind of like this universe that's living. And then other shows do have some sort of like sense of passing of time and things like that. I think with this show, they tried to do both in a way that didn't really work for me. Because it made episodes, what was it, five and six? Yeah, five and, wait, no, six and seven. It made episodes six and seven feel like filler, even though they weren't necessarily. And those episodes on their own, if you take it out of the context of everything, are solid episodes. I really enjoyed the retreat one. The wedding one was fun, really short, both of them. Um, but they were fun episodes, it's just, they didn't really work for me for the season as a whole, you know? Um, but I really liked episode 8, 
and I'm really hoping the finale is going to be really good and that overall I'm going to have a high opinion of this show. Just like I had a high opinion of Hawkeye, I know a lot of people had criticisms of that show as well and how it was structured, but because I had that comic love behind the things in Hawkeye, like the Fraction Run, and if you want to know more about my opinions on Hawkeye, I actually do have a video, because that is the one thing that I did review <laughs> for Phase 4 so far, um, and that's up on my YouTube channel. But anyway, so that's why I enjoy it overall. I just wish, I think for this, this was a bingeable show for me. This is not something that I wanted to wait week for week for, which is a similar thing. I mean, I have more criticisms with What If, but it's the same way I felt about What If, is that it should have been all released at one time. I think some shows fit the episodic format that's been coming back, and some shows still fit the bingeable Netflix-style show. So... Those are some of my initial thoughts so far without seeing the finale yet because that's coming out tonight. And yeah, overall, I think Tatiana Maslany is amazing as Jen Walters. And all the side characters are really fun. I really liked the Mr. Immortal stuff in that one episode. I think that was the wedding episode. Um, yeah. I just think it's good overall. One thing that I've talked about before, at least I think I have, because I've definitely thought it before, um, is that I think these shows kind of suffer by having different writers for different episodes, having different directors for different episodes, which is something that's super common in television. But I think because the MCU is different and it's all this perpetuating self-perpetuating universe there's something in that process that just because it works for other shows I feel like that's a huge reason why it's not working for some of these shows because especially the six episode long seasons are basically extended movies in the way that they're structured and so I think it needs to have a different approach. Like, they need to reinvent the wheel a little bit in their approach to it. And that's just coming from an amateur that knows nothing about production at all. But I think there's something to that. Because I noticed this a lot when Miss Marvel was going on. And you notice that the cool text and visuals that were happening in, like, the first couple episodes of Miss Marvel... That was the work of the two guys um, that are directors that were also going to do Batgirl and then that. I'm not remembering their names right now, but you know who I'm talking about, I hope. Um, but that was the show, the episodes that they directed. And then the middle episodes were directed by these, um, by, there was two women that did it. They didn't direct the episodes together. They directed their own episodes, but their concept and story and what they were going for was a lot more cultural. I think they both were... Indian? Maybe not, but... Or Pakistani? Or something like that. I know they had some sort of cultural connection to it, or something close, at least, than somebody who has no cultural context at all. Um, and so those episodes were, you know, the Pakistan ones, and um, diving more into that side of things. And I think 
both of those concepts on their own are really strong that you kind of wish it was broken up into two seasons where the two guys, they did their whole season of setting up Miss Marvel and then maybe in a season two, you get a lot of stuff into her backstory and things like that. So that's when I started to kind of think about this more that maybe the process is something that can be tweaked. I don't know. I also think though that the they decide what how long a show is going to be before the creative process even really starts. They probably have a concept. They know what the show is going to be about or who the show is going to be about. But I feel like why have six or nine? Like it's either six or it's nine. There's not really any other options. And I think the story should just kind of speak for itself, maybe. I don't know. Because I think that was also a problem that they had with uh, Thor Love and Thunder is they wanted it to be like a two-hour movie or something. They wanted it to be shorter than the movies have been lately. And I think that also kind of harmed that movie as well. Speaking of Thor, I've been talking about wanting to do a Thor hot takes uh, segment in one of these podcasts for forever. Literally since the movie was still in theaters. Since the beginning of this podcast, basically. But I haven't done that, and honestly, it's because I haven't really felt like watching Thor again. Um, and it's not because I'm a hater for that movie, spoiler alert, but I, there's just other things that are going on. There's other things that I want to watch. I need to watch content that's not Marvel content, and I want to make content about content. That's a really weird sentence. Um, that's not Marvel-related. Like, I have a ton of ideas that I want to do. Um... In fact, those other projects, ideas that I have, I haven't even started on those yet because I recently got Netflix again and started watching. I was going to watch Dahmer because I want to make a video on it because I live in Milwaukee and I have this whole, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Like I have, true crime irks me in a lot of ways, so I wanted to watch that uh, thing and make something about that. But I got completely distracted because I'm watching The Last Dance, which I never watched. Um, I know it was really popular during like lockdown and stuff like that. But it's really good. And I'm not even like a sports person, really. I, it's not like I hate sports, but I also don't have enough energy to follow it super closely and be like a super fan because I'm already a super fan of way too many other things. But I enjoy them, I guess, and I can hold my own in more casual conversation, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe that's a big claim. But I think that documentary is really enjoyable, even if you don't really care about basketball at all. Um, And I used to watch WWE documentaries um, when I was dating my ex because he had WWE, the app, um, and a lot of those were really interesting too. So I just, I am a sucker for a good documentary, no matter what the topic is, I feel like. But anyway, (laughs) I also watched the rehearsal, which I had some thoughts about. And now I don't know if I'm going to make anything about that because it's kind of late in the game here. I'll probably, I am planning on doing a video where I talk about all the things that I've watched this year and kind of review them slightly and talk about them uh, at the end of the year. I was going to do it quarter by quarter, but that ended up not happening. So that's also something that I'm working on. And what else have I been watching? Um, 
I feel like there are other things that I was watching, but I guess not. So anyway, that was a little diversion of topics. We're just going to catch up on a lot of news uh, this episode. And I guess I can also talk a little bit about Werewolf by Night. Because that came out finally. And it was amazing. I love that it committed to a style. I loved the universe that was being built out within it. I was really satisfied. It delivered on everything that I expected it to deliver on. The only thing that sucks is like, when are we going to see these characters again? Are we going to see these characters again? And I would definitely like to. I really liked Elsa Bloodstone in it a lot. Which I wasn't really expecting to, because I don't know much about her from the comics at all. That whole supernatural side of things is not an area that I've really gotten into in the comics at all. I've only seen bits and pieces of it through some Doctor Doom stuff that I read and a little bit of Scarlet Witch stuff that I read, but I haven't even dove into either of those characters super in-depth, so that's a side of them or Marvel Comics, I should say, that I'm not as familiar with. Um, but yeah, it was really enjoyable. Like The only reason why I knew about Werewolf by Night is because I was reading a lot of Moon Knight stuff, and that's where he makes his first appearance ever. So um, yeah, anyway, really good. Michael Giacchino, that was his first live-action directorial debut I guess that sentence was structured poorly but you know what I mean um and I thought it was done super well and it's really awesome that Marvel gave him the opportunity to explore that side of his creativity and I am looking forward to seeing more because I think anything that he delivers is going to be pretty good as long as it's not something that's like chasing that high because you know when somebody does something great and then everyone loves it and then all of their new stuff is just constantly compared to the other thing i'm hoping it's not that type of situation you know but i think that yeah it would be good and people have been saying that blade needs another director and people have been suggesting michael chikino so i don't know i just don't know what kind of tone they're gonna go with the blade movie But that's something that we'll talk about in a second because there's a lot of Blade news. There's been a lot of Blade drama going on. Um, So we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, The next thing that I wanted to just briefly mention is a second Black Black Paler. What? I cannot speak. Black Panther trailer. Oh, that's why I said Paler because I tried to mix Panther and trailer. Weird. Anyway. Um... And this is the last Black Panther trailer that I will watch. I will not watch any other marketing content probably. And I'm going to try to stay away from press about it. Because whenever I watch press before a movie, it just ends up disappointing. That's like a whole video topic that I could make because (laughs) it's it's been rough out here. But anyway, um, yeah, so... It was the trailer that was released when they put tickets on sale. I do have my ticket and I will be going. I took off work so that I could go, which is something that I do. It's my deepest, darkest secret. I take off work and sometimes use my PTO in order to watch Marvel movies. So I don't know what that says about me, but anyway, (laughs) I told my therapist about the other day and we were talking about how like, you know, it's taking out time for yourself and it's a good thing and stuff like that. So I'm not going to feel bad about it. But yeah, 
isn't much to say. We saw just a lot of additional stuff. Oh, we saw Namor with his wings on his feet flying and he was like super jumping through the air or whatever you call it. <laughs> Leaping through the air. And we saw some more Mb- M'Baku uh, clips. And one of the clips, he's tell- he, it sounds like he's telling the story of who Namor is to the people around him. So I'm guessing Wakanda like knows about them. Which is going to be, it's, I'm so interested to see like how they establish, I know it's not Atlantis. It has a name that I keep forgetting. When I finally see the movie, I will remember it. But I'm excited to see and intrigued to see how they're going to say this has been around for forever. But they did the same thing with Wakanda and it worked out just fine. So that'll be fun. I'm trying to think if there's anything other, anything else that's major in that trailer. Those are the, and it's been like a week or so at this point since it was released. But I don't think so. Oh, the shot that we got, we got a shot of the entire suit. It does seem like Shuri is going to be Black Panther. We'll see. I don't know. Um, That would obviously make sense. I just wasn't sure if Disney was going to do that because they don't really like controversy. But if they make her Black Panther, then I guess it shows that they aren't deciding to let controversy affect their relationships with people because the whole James Gunn thing that happened, maybe they're like, you know, they don't want to rock the boat or anything. I have no idea. But also there's been rumors about how, it might not even be rumors, it might have been things that were talked about officially, but that multiple multiple people are going to be in the in a suit. Um, so that is the big question mark that we will be figuring out when we watch the movie. I'm not looking at any freaking leaks. I'm not looking at anything else. I'm just going to wait for this movie, which is coming up really quickly. I think it's exact. Well, it's a little bit less than a month now at this point because today is the 12th. So October is flying by. The end of this year has been going by really fast, by the way. September was like a blink of an eye. It was crazy. But also simultaneously, I feel like 2022 has taken the time of like two years. I don't know why. Because when I think about where I was in January and where I am now, complete 180. It's pretty crazy. Anyway, let's keep going. Another news story that I wanted to talk about is Michael Waldron is writing Secret Wars. If you don't know, Michael Waldron wrote Multiverse of Madness. On Disney+, Plus, they have this series called Assembled, I'm pretty sure. I always confuse it with the other series that kind of recaps characters that are going to appear in an upcoming thing. So I think, though, Assembled is the making of series that they have. So every Phase 4 project that has come out, except for Spider-Man, for obvious reasons, has had this assembled uh, special that goes with it. And I really do like these because they give you a deeper insight into the process, which sometimes makes me appreciate something more. Like the Moon Knight one, I still haven't rewatched Moon Knight since I originally watched it, but I did watch the assembled and it made me excited to rewatch it when I finally do because I think I'm going to have a new appreciation for it and sometimes 
watching the assembled episode pisses me off. <laughs> like with what if the I AC Bradley and me, we have some beef. She doesn't know it, but I know it. Not really. It's not really that serious, but there were so many writing decisions that were made in what if that didn't I felt like they were using the multiverse angle as an excuse to kind of hand wave a lot of things that were going on. And obviously when you're talking about universes, it's like this version of this character in this universe, like the Thor one, for example, the Thor one where he goes on earth and has this party all over the world or whatever, and they have to clean up or something and Captain Marvel has to stop him or whatever. Obviously that Thor is not the exact same Thor that we've seen in the MCU because of all the different things that have happened in that universe. For one, Loki is a frost giant and not his brother. So, obviously, very different character. But I felt like that part of things was not explored enough. And a lot of times you're like, why is this character doing this thing? And it's like, well... Logically, I can think, well, this is a different character, but is that being used as a crutch? You know, if that makes sense, I'm hoping. But anyway, so watching the Assembled episode for What If and how they were huge fans of the MCU and they were so excited to do this and they had so many pitches for What If titles and it's like, then why was it not that good? So anytime in an Assembled episode where they talk about how big of fans they are of a character or whatever, and I'm like, well, then why didn't you do it right? I don't know. It is really petty. I'm not going to lie. It's super petty. But anyway, that being said, another thing that made me dislike something after watching Assembled, Michael Waltron is not very likable, in my opinion. (laughs) He's talked about how... I mean, him and Sam Raimi have talked about how they didn't see WandaVision. Michael Waldron has talked about how he put the Illuminati scene in Multiverse Madness because he just wanted something cool. And he was like, I might be overly paraphrasing, but like he wanted something to happen at that point in the movie, but didn't really know what to do. And it just overall feels lazy to me. And so... With him writing a movie that has to do with all these characters from all these universes coming together, like, you didn't sell it to me by making Multiverse Madness that you're capable of doing this. I did see comments on Reddit that were like, well, you know, this development for this movie was hell in the first place, so maybe it's not completely indicative of him and his abilities as a writer, That was his first major thing that he's written. Besides, I think he's done episodes of some other things. Did I write it in here? No, I didn't. Where did I write about that? Because I could have sworn I wrote things that he's written before. I remember researching that. So where did... Did I not write it in here? That's really weird. Um... Oh, maybe I did it for a different person that we're going to talk about later. Anyway... But that's like his biggest writing credit so far. I don't know. Don't disappoint me, bro. I swear to God. I just, 
I don't want it to be mediocre. And this does not give me confidence at all. I'm hopefully... I'm hopeful and some, like, very cautiously, that's what I'm looking for, cautiously optimistic. Very cautiously. I'm worried. I'm not gonna lie. Anyway, what do you think about Michael Waldron? I know it's kind of a circle jerk that people hate him, and I also didn't hate Multiverse Madness as much as other people did. But he did not convince me that he would be good at writing probably a way bigger team-up than Infinity War and Endgame. We'll see. I don't know. So then at the end of last episode, which at this point has been a while, I mentioned that there were some news topics that I wanted to talk about, but I wanted to do a little bit more research and stuff. And so the first one is going to be Sabra in the MCU. And that was announced at D23 when talking about... Captain America 4, uh, New World Order. Yep, that's the subtitle. Um, so Sabra is a mutant and was born in Jerusalem. And basically her thing is she is the first superhuman agent serving the Mossad, which I think I'm pronouncing correctly. If I'm not, I do apologize. Um, which is basically the National Intelligence Agency of Israel. I am not a pro-expert on um, everything about Israel at all. So a lot of this is just through very brief research and things of that nature. Um, So obviously me being an American that doesn't really have ties to everything going on in that region, I have potentially have a lot of context that I'm missing. So I am acknowledging that and I'm going to talk about some of the research that I did. But there's probably a lot of things that I'm missing as well because I am limited by my own, I guess, context that I've exposed myself to so far. If I guess that's a way to say that. Um, unlike the IDF, Israel security and the Israel Security Agency, the powers, purpose, budget, all of those things, they're not explicitly defined in any laws in Israel. They report directly under the prime minister. And so it is basically kind of like a I don't even know how you would describe it, but yeah, they basically are completely at the will of they act upon the will of the leader sorry maybe i should drink something so that my throat is not dry okay in her first appearance in marvel comics she is an antagonist in a hulk comic i don't think she's the main villain but it's an antagonistic type of role and that first appearance is super problematic in a lot of ways which you may know if you've seen some of the stuff on twitter and tiktok about this whole situation from a month ago when it was happening but yeah super problematic we're going to talk about that later on people have been referring to her as the israeli captain america and i see why people draw the conclusion they are both symbols for a nation that they're a part of but i think giving her that moniker is a little 
little bit of a misunderstanding. I also think people have a huge misunderstanding of Captain America himself. I think if you don't read Marvel comics, but also if you don't pay attention to Civil War and Captain America's whole arc in the MCU, you would assume that he is this pro-cop, badass, America, rock, flag, and eagle type of <laughs> type of figure when that's not necessarily the case. But I guess you could still say he is a propaganda piece because Captain America's whole thing is like, he's really what America should stand for and the governments that are in place, they're shady and they're going against what America is supposed to be about, which still can be uh, colonialist, imperialist, and things like that. So... Not saying that Captain America is a perfect representation or anything like that. Um, But I don't think he's as, like I said, America fuck yeah as the average Joe might assume. Because his whole arc, this happens in the comics, this happens in the MCU, is he distrusts um, the government and systems um, that built him because of the things that he experiences. And if you've seen Civil War, that's what that whole thing is about. Um, And obviously you could say he started out as a propaganda piece, which again, yes, in some ways, um, but because Marvel comics are kind of pro-cop, especially in the 60s. And, you know, there, there are other things that are worthy of criticism, but... In Captain America's origins, he's punching Nazis before the U.S. is even involved in World War II. And it was very controversial at the time, in fact. So he always has kind of been that same figure of, like, this is what America is really supposed to be about. And, you know, accepting everyone and down with the system and things of that nature. So, um, but like I said, there's a lot of pro-cop stuff that happens during, uh, the Silver Age of Marvel Comics, and even kind of beyond that as well. Um, but yes, anyway. Um, so both of them serve as kind of this figurehead for a colonial system, and that's a huge aspect to their stories. But their origins are very different. Sabra is a mutant, like I said earlier, And Captain America was chosen for this program, which you also see in the MCU. This happens in the comics as well. It was later retconned in the comics that this program was actually a program designed to stop mutants. You may have heard Wolverine being referred to as Weapon X. Captain America was revealed as Weapon 1. And yeah, so originally it was creating super soldiers to take down mutants and... The whole arms race, I guess you could say, of the countries in... You see this in the, in the MCU. Everyone wants to make a super soldier. It's it's that um, type of arms race for... Uh, I'm laughing because I'm thinking instead of arms like weapons, it's arms like a buff bicep because it's a super soldier anyway. Um, so basically all these countries, they want their version of Captain America, but they also want a superhuman figure to defend their country, which is kind of reminiscent of the nuclear arms race. Is that what you would even call it? That we have in real life um, with nuclear weapons and kind of this overarching threat of those things. So Sabra plays that role for Israel, Um And in some countries, you do have, instead of trying to recreate the super soldier serum, you have countries 
using a mutant to be that defense force. I think, I'm pretty sure Colossus was that for Russia as well. And that's what happened to Sabra. They noticed her abilities, and so they're going to use her as this force to protect the country, which means protecting the colonial system, which is why this is so controversial, um, a controversial inclusion into the MCU. Um, where was I? So, yes, while her role in Israel is kind of inspired by Captain America and what he represents for the U.S., she doesn't have a direct tie to him, like an Isaiah Bradley might, um, because his story is way more directly tied to the, like, in a very direct way to Captain America than all of the heroes around the world who are just kind of used as that figurehead for protecting the country, if you understand what I'm trying to say. So is she like Captain America? Yes and no. But also she's not a popular character. She's not a character that reoccurs a bunch of times. In fact, I'm going to talk about her major appearances. Because after she appears in that Hulk comic, I think she has a couple of other ones here and there. And then her next major appearance is Operation Zero Tolerance storyline for the X-Men. And she actually ends up working with Excalibur and the X-Men. Excalibur is the British uh, mutant team. So she kind of takes on this hero status when she was introduced as a villain. And then she was on Iron Man's side in Civil War and decides to help capture unruly mutants. And the mutants were kind of just trying to do their own thing during Civil War. They were trying to stay out of it. Civil War, I want to do a video on it, I think because I'm reading through it right now, it's taking me a while. Um, But it's just so interesting. And I don't know how anyone could be Team Iron Man. In the Civil War movie, in the MCU, I have always said that I'm Team Iron Man in the sense of the personal conflict that was going on, because I feel like he could have told him, obviously he was never going to react well, but I think he would have reacted better or would have had the potential to get over it if he would have not hid it from him and he had to find out the way that he did. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I also obviously understand where uh, Steve is coming from as well. In terms of like the government stuff in Civil War, the movie, I don't know why you would be on Team Iron Man. And if you are Team Iron Man, but you also have a cab in your bio, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> and also like in... Civil War, at least so far, I would say I'm probably a quarter through, potentially. Actually, I can check because I have this app that shows your percentage through different reading orders and stuff after you mark off the comics that you've done. Um, Oh, I'm almost halfway. I'm at 45.99% of the way through Civil War. Um, But yeah, it's a super uh, interesting, more detailed than we get in the movie obviously and I think it's definitely worth reading even if you've already seen the movie and I think that specifically will show you why you can read comics and also watch the movies and have them exist as their own thing and not it's not a situation where you're like reading the book before the movie comes out and then you're disappointed by the movie like people were back in like the Harry Potter days and stuff like that 
it's more like they're two different entities and they're loosely in like the movies are loosely inspired by the comics but it becomes its own thing and i think reading through civil war will give you an appreciation for that but like i said my evil plan through making marvel content online is to get more people to read comics so that's my little soapbox that i'm gonna get off of um and there's a few other appearances besides the two that i just mentioned but it's not like she's a major character Calling her a piece of propaganda is not really a stretch based on her history. And that's why this news was so out of left field. So at D23, it was announced that Shira Haas would be playing Sabra and would be appearing in Captain America New World Order. And this was immediately met with criticism. Um, And I didn't fact check this, but I'm pretty sure Disney has publicly supported Israel in the past? Question mark? For some reason, that's something that's in my brain, but I don't know if that actually happened. But it is not uncommon for companies and for America as a whole to be pro-Israel. So I wouldn't be surprised. And it's why I think a lot of people don't trust Marvel to tell this story. And they're very wary about how her story is going to be told, especially because they're promising that it's... They're like, we promise it's not what it looks like. (laughs) We'll see. I don't know. I don't really trust them to tell that story either. I think also just having an American lens on that conflict, it's like, why are you the one trying to be an expert on the whole thing? My point of view is because I have Native American roots, I am all for indigenous solidarity and rights and all of that throughout the entire world. And so the Israel-Palestine conflict kind of tugs on those heartstrings I guess it's part of a core belief system that I have so based on all the things that I've done my own research and stuff like that that's why I choose the things that I choose to believe in and I don't trust Disney to even provide nuance or any sort of deep discussion into that conflict at all I did want to highlight some actual people's criticism, like who are actually affected by this. One person on Twitter, and again, to, in order to protect the people making these statements, because some people will search for posts just to leave hate and stuff like that. I'm not going to mention their names, but I am quoting some of the top tweets that I've seen about this. These were in some articles about the subject as well, which I believe is where I got them from in the first place. But someone wrote, I don't think anyone understands how sick it is for Marvel to name a movie after an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, New World Order, cast the villain as a Jewish man, and on top of that, cast the good character as a Zionist. In her first appearance... Wait. I... (laughs) Yeah, I forgot a quote... I forgot to end quote, but I'm pretty sure it says the cast, it ends at cast the good character, the good Jewish character as a Zionist. And then my sentence was, this is why I don't like to script things because I make too many typos. Um, In her first appearance, so this is something that was shared a lot. There's a panel that reads, but she's also a woman capable of feeling, capable of caring. It has taken the Hulk to make her see this dead Arab boy as a human being. I'm sorry, What? I'm sorry, what? 
I told you it was problematic. And the way that they draw them to, it's very, very problematic. A Twitter user shared this panel. I also saw this on TikTok, this panel, so you've probably seen it. And writes, the latest Marvel character who is an Israeli Mossad agent, you can't make this shit up. And then another user posted a few scream caps from that same comic appearance, showing how poorly the the quote-unquote Arab characters were depicted visually. And this same user mentions that the word Palestine is never mentioned in the comic at all. And they call it shoot-and-cry propaganda. It's just pretty wild. Like, looking at the screenshots of that comic is pretty wild. And, like, Hulk, as Hulk, not even as Bruce, not even as Smart Hulk, like, Hulk is the one saying that this boy is a person. You have to, if you haven't seen it, you have to look up these screenshots of this comic because it's wild. Um, anyway. The early decades of comics had problematic moments. I feel like that's the understatement of the eternity. And I've actually, while reading comics, I've run into disclaimers because I use Marvel Unlimited. And they'll at the beginning of some of these comics that are problematic, they have a description saying that, this would not be acceptable today, or mentioning that this was made in a different time, basically. Which I think is a good compromise because you're not hiding that those comics exist, but you're also not saying, you're telling people, like, hey, this is not an okay way to portray people because they had super racist Asian characters, and oh my god, Luke Cage's origins <laughs> is such a racist depiction of a black man. It's crazy. <laughs> And I think Falcon has some problematic, uh, Sam Wilson has some problematic, uh, depictions as well in his early comics. Like, it's kind of crazy, especially looking at it through today's lens. It's good to own your past and to promise to do better in the future, um, which is why I don't mind that, one, they're still showing these comics, but also that, like, they're saying that, hey, this is not good. So when this whole news with the Sopper thing came out, I was really confused. Um, And like I said, Hulk, like, this does provide some political and religious commentary about what Sopper is doing and represents, but the character is a Mossad agent. It's not like she deflects from that and liberates Palestine over the course of her character in the comics. It's like, she starts out as this agent for Israel, and then, yes, she, like, helps the X-Men and stuff like that, but it's not like she's going, ever going against where she came from, which I think would do a lot in reforming the character. And the character is a propaganda piece. It's okay to say that, just like it's okay to say that Captain America is a propaganda piece. And also there are people who say that if you have criticism of Israel that it's automatically anti-Semitic. This is very weird that I'm bringing this back up because we have all this Kanye stuff going on right now. But I would just say that Bella Hadid had a really good statement on her Instagram. And I think everybody should read it. Um, yeah, this is stuff that I kind of mentioned earlier. So then there was a New York Times article about Marvel's response behind a paywall. I ended up, because I have to look at New York Times a lot for different things, I'm like, I'll just pay them. Whatever. Ugh. Fine. You have my money. What am I going to do about it? 
Um, <laughs> but they are quoted in the article saying, while our characters and stories are inspired by the comics, they are always freshly imagined for the screen and today's audience. And the filmmakers are taking a new approach with the character Sabra, who was first introduced in the comics over 40 years ago. And then the rest of the article basically just shows the varying reactions to that. A lot of people in support of this representation of Israel and a lot of people who are coming out against that as well, which is to be expected because when you talk about this conflict, there are very loud voices on both sides of the argument always. And where was I? But yeah, anyway. I don't know how they plan on doing this in a way that isn't problematic. Like I mentioned before, I don't trust them to do that unless there are people, there are Palestinians potentially, or people who are connected to this conflict that are helping craft the story and crafting the depiction. I don't know. I think the actress is Israeli, correct me if I'm wrong. But just because you're from Israel also doesn't mean that you're, you know, I mean, just like Americans, not all Americans are like, fuck yeah, the military, woo! So, kind of the same thing. Except it's even more different because in Israel you have to join the military, basically. There are ways that you can get out of it, just like you can get out of the draft in the U.S. if you were a part of that. But... That in that way, it's a little bit different, is they have this mandatory serving. And a lot of countries have that, like, all over the world. It's really interesting. But anyway, um, it's just an odd choice for a character that hasn't left that much of a footprint in the comics. I, I don't know. So it feels, it kind of feels like you pulled this character out because of controversy, in a way. I don't know. Because how do, would you not expect the backlash to happen? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know why this is an interesting decision. And uh, I'm expecting disappointment, but we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I'm very curious. When does Captain America come out next year? Does it? Let me double check, actually. Um, Captain America New World Order, oh, May 3rd, 2024. So the fact that they announced it this early so that people can speculate, that's what's so weird to me. I don't know, man. Anyway, (laughs) on a different note, there was a fan casting that went viral on TikTok wanting Kiki Palmer to play Rogue. And this is one of the best fan castings I've ever seen. But I didn't even know that I wanted this fan casting, you know? Nando V Movies, who's a great YouTuber, uh, and I like their podcast as well, um, he made a really good video about this topic on his second channel, and I really recommend that you watch it. I'll probably link it, actually, in the description of this podcast. I am going to summarize some of the points that he makes because it just sold me even more as to why this is a really good choice. Rogue needs to have personality. Nothing against Anna Paquin, But Rogue in the X-Men movies had no personality, and that's not my Rogue. I'm sorry, it's just not. The X-Men movies shat all over this character. Like, what, what even was that? She's definitely not, like, in the comics, and even in, I haven't seen the entirety of the animated stuff from X-Men, 
but like I haven't seen any of X-Men Evolution and I have seen only some of the 90s uh, animated series. So I'm, I don't know how they portray her in those, but like she has a personality. <laughs> um, what I learned in Nando's video is that Rogue was originally designed after Grace Jones. And then the artist, like that's who the, the writer, that's what the writer wanted her to look like. But the artist made her a white woman with that Grace Jones flat top type of haircut that she has. But just decided to make her white for some reason. Which is very typical in those times. A lot of characters were just default white, even if it has really nothing to do with them as a character. Some characters, though, their race is a huge part of their story. Like Black Panther, like Magneto. But even at first, Magneto didn't have his Holocaust roots. That was something that was added later. It hasn't been until recent decades that we've tried to shift how we see characters as being a default. And another thing that Nando mentions is that Mississippi, which is where Rogue is from, has the highest black population in all of the United States. So it's just realistic for her to be played by a black actress and to actually be a black character in the comics. It doesn't take anything away from the character at all. It's not even like her heritage as a white woman is essential to the character. Like, do we even know what she is besides the fact that she's from the South and she's American? I don't think so, as far as I know. And, like, the original intention for the character... Claremont wanted her to look like Grace Jones. And do you think he was just talking about the haircut? I don't think so. And if that's not enough to convince you, then I don't know what else you want. What's your issue, then? I like that in the MCU they're trying to, like, push for these original intentions of the character... Same thing with Miss Marvel being a mutant instead of being an inhuman. That's what they originally wanted her to be. But at that time, because of the restrictions that they had, you couldn't introduce any new mutants because they didn't want Fox to be able to use those characters. That's why she ended up being inhuman instead. And then in this TV show on Disney Plus with Miss Marvel, that was changed back to the original intention. So I think when they introduced Rogue in the MCU cast her as someone who fits more of the original intention of the character and then in his video he mentioned that like redheads are apparently mad <laughs> because there's no redheaded representation or whatever but like rogue doesn't even have red hair like that's not even her thing when you think of rogue what do you think of blonde in the front i literally <laughs> i took pictures of Anna Paquin to my <laughs> to my uh hairdresser and my blonde in my in the front if you've seen the YouTube videos with it it's a lot more golden than Rogue's is because I had some dye in my hair so it didn't lift all the way <laughs> but I literally like I know what color her hair is because I literally took pictures of her hair to my hairstylist hairdresser whatever to get the same hair and I don't have red in my hair <laughs> You look at her wiki, it does not say redhead. Like, I don't understand why this was such a deflection that happened. 
it's just such a reach, such an obvious reach, where you take two seconds of research and you realize that it's all bullshit. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you literally just invented it. It's not real. Why are you mad about it? It's so funny to me. And I am supportive, obviously, of the opinion that we should just be making new black characters. We don't have to, like, quote-unquote race swap characters in order to get representation, which I definitely agree with. But I still think things like The Little Mermaid, the new one that's coming out, is important. Just as important as making new characters. Um, and for this one, specifically, like I said, because it was originally intended for her to be a black woman, then I see that as becoming more true to the character than not, you know? Especially because mutants specifically, like their story in the comics is inspired by the civil rights movement. They make a lot of references to that. So why not have some of these characters be played by people who are actually affected by that fight for civil rights or have been affected by that fight for civil rights. Just like if they introduce Bobby Drake, Iceman, they should go with the gay storyline where later, way later in the comics, it's revealed that he is gay. Or at least somebody from a different timeline is like, aren't you supposed to be gay to him? Because apparently she knows her Iceman and her timeline as being gay. It's something like that. Because then he's more connected to like the actual civil rights issue. That's always been my biggest criticism. I love the X-Men. But my biggest criticism has always been like, I don't like sci-fi where... You have to invent discrimination when discrimination already exists and we can tell that story because it's a real thing that happens, you know? It's like, why do we need to invent this fake discrimination in order to get people to care about real discrimination that happens? It's kind of my criticism behind it. So, especially because in the 60s, the entire first class of X-Men were all white. So it kind of is weird when they talk about stuff like that. Um, It's kind of like, oh my god, this is so dumb. It's kind of like white feminists who talk about how women are the black people of society. Have you heard people say that? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So dumb. And the fact that people say that with their whole chest and they believe that like deeply in their soul. Like, what is wrong with you? so weird but anyway it gives me the ick in a little bit of a way a very less like a lot less in scale but it kind of rings those same bells for me i don't know so anyway i'm in full support of kiki palmer playing rogue and i freaking love kiki palmer but now it's time to get into some upcoming movie news Yes, we're going to talk about Deadpool. That's coming up later. But first, I want to talk about Armor Wars. The Hollywood Reporter announced last week, I think, that Armor Wars is turning into a feature-length movie instead of a Disney Plus series, which I am all about. I think that's great. 
Because if you think about it, besides Black Panther, aren't all the solo MCU movies about white people? So, instead of using all your representation for the Disney Plus shows, why not bring that more of that to the screen? I'm all about it. Um... Also, it's more likely now that Sam Rockwell will come back and be Justin Hammer. Even though I'm sure he would have done a TV show, but I think he's... Isn't Sam Rockwell more of a movie guy? Maybe. And also, obviously, it's going to be a theatrically released movie. And it's seemingly going to push the project even further down the timeline for release. Um, we actually don't know any updates, and we just got an update on the timeline for the Blade stuff I'm about to talk about. But, which literally happened yesterday, but, um, I don't think Armor Wars has been given a new date. Um, production was planned to begin in 2023, but those who have been hired on the crew have been informed of the change in plans, according to the Hollywood Reporter. We still don't know if a director has been tied to the project yet. And, but the writer is still writing the movie. Um, I think his name is Yasir Lester. And Don Cheadle is still involved, obviously. But it's unclear if Armor Wars will fit into the currently announced phases. It's possible that he's going to be in this unannounced... Well, maybe not, because wouldn't they just have announced that they're going to put Armor Wars there as a movie? I don't know. But he could be in this empty slate that just opened up... Um, when all this Blade stuff happened, which is a good segue because now we can talk about Blade. The production of Blade has been hitting some walls lately and will likely be delayed as a result. And now it's been confirmed, because I wrote this a while ago, it's been confirmed that it has been delayed as a result. Um, yeah, basically I was talking about how the release date hasn't been changed yet, but it's hard to imagine that it won't be, which obviously we know now that it has. Director Bassam Tariq has left his role. I hope that's how you say his last name. But will remain on the project as an executive producer. Nothing in the article insinuates bad blood. In fact, he talks about his work with Marvel positively. And he is remaining on the project just in a different capacity. But if it was purely a scheduling conflict, you would think that they would just say that, you know. Filming apparently was supposed to begin in October. But then in this article that I was reading... They say that it was supposed to start in November, so it already there. There's already been a small delay before the director's seat was even vacated, and then it was delayed to start filming this upcoming spring. Now I think we just don't know. I think it's on pause. Um, so obviously they weren't going to make their fall twenty twenty three release. People are are speculating or were speculating that the project was just way too behind schedule, and that's why he was removed from the project. But the article doesn't really mention him being fired. Would it? I don't know. Perhaps it could have been a mutual decision due to time management issues. Maybe the project was too much for him to handle, um, especially with the alleged script issues. And maybe some of the issues that they've been having with the script, because I know... Um, uh, why? Mahershala Ali. Why was I forgetting Mahershala Ali's name? Anyway, <laughs> um, he has been unhappy reportedly, I don't think he's talked to the press about it, but reportedly he's been unhappy with the script and has been wanting it to change. So maybe the director that just left 
it, it also, the part got away from him and it wasn't really what he wanted it to be anymore. There's so many things that we're just speculating here. We're just spitballing. But now the script is being completely rewritten, um, completely from scratch, which is probably the main cause for the delay. Uh, Variety reporter Jeff Snyder tweeted that the current script was a disappointing 90 pages with only two action scenes. And in script writing for movies and stuff, a page is usually a minute, um, roughly. So very short. Obviously, though, that should be taken with a grain of salt. Even reporters from trusted outlets like Variety can just tweet whatever they want. Reddit comments at the time that I wrote this pointed out that it's hard to tell that an action scene is lackluster from a script because super detailed accounts of the action is not the purpose of the script. That's usually saved for later. That's just not how production works. So what he tweeted may or may not be 100% true. Uh, Regardless, Bo DeMaio is the new writer for the project. He doesn't have a huge body of work, but has worked with Marvel on an episode of Moon Knight and X-Men 97. He's also worked on the Witcher series, some League of Legends shorts, a series called The Originals. So not a huge catalog, but, you know, he's done some stuff. I'm hoping we don't have another Michael Waldron situation, which I talked about before. (laughs) Um... I don't know why I repeated myself and wrote that here. Maybe because I didn't have it originally in this script at the beginning like I did this time. Um, I'm not going to talk about the plot leaks from the original writer. Uh, and she was a writer on she was a writer on the team for the Watchmen series. And there are leaks about what that script entailed. Because even though it's basically confirmed that the entire premise is changing, we don't know how true to the original that the final project will be. So I don't feel like reading plot leaks, even if I know that those might not necessarily be the plot that we're going to get. I just don't want to spoil anything like that. I don't like plot leaks in general. But if you are curious, um, they posted about it on the Marvel Studios subreddit and there was an article on the direct it's on the article that announces the script reworking. They talk more about the leaks, which I just skipped past that in the article. And then I wrote, at this point, I just want them to delay things if they can't be good. So I'm hoping all these changes will go well. Um, they did end up delaying it, which is good. Because I was speculating here, I was like, if they still want to make that release, then I hope they're not going to rush it. Because that could definitely negatively impact the public's perception of the MCU, especially with CGI artists talking about their experiences with the company. And I also wrote, enough of quantity versus quality. I get that Disney is a money-making machine, but you either need to hire more people and delegate tasks better so these projects have the support they need. Or you'll continue to spread the crews thin and the creative teams thin to the point of unsustainability. If you continue to put the care into these projects that they deserve, you'll keep your audience around longer and therefore make more money. At the rate things are going, Marvel is going to lose its position that it has seemingly created itself where superhero fatigue is not something that the vast majority of audiences experience, experience, although a lot of people do say that they're tired of them. These movies are still making a ton of money. After almost 15 years of content that has been exponentially growing, that is such a special position to be in, and I am always hoping that they don't squander it. And so overall, this is now me speaking from the present day. 
Overall, I am glad that they delayed it, which then pushed a lot of movies during that time, I can actually tell you. So, Fantastic Four is now gonna do... Oh wait, no, I have to go here first. So, Blade now has the date of September 6th, 2024. Deadpool 3 now has the date of November 8th, 2024. Fantastic Four, February 14th, 2025. King Dynasty, May 2nd, 2025. Then there's that untitled movie slot for July 25th, 2025. Another one that November 7th, 2025. And then there's another one, February 13th, 2026. And then Avengers Secret Wars, May 1st, 2026. So now the Avengers movies are not going to happen in the same year, which I feel like is a blessing in disguise for them. I mean, all of us were kind of hoping maybe that that would happen, I feel like, at least most of the content that I've watched about it. But now it's been confirmed, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like I said, hopefully this just gives people more time to work on these movies, and hopefully they really start treating their crews better um, and stop spreading them so thin so that they can continue to make these movies and make them well. Because I think we're all afraid of the day where the MCU just takes a nosedive uh, because of greed and things like that. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, A lot of people might argue that phase four is the start of that happening, but I disagree with them, which is a topic for another day. Anyway, lastly, we're going to talk about Deadpool 3. And Ryan Reynolds posted a fun video announcing the direction they're taking the third installment of the Deadpool franchise. And then, when this inevitably caused a lot of questions from fans, there was a second video teasing the plot, which we'll get into in a second. First of all, I just wanted to express my hype for this movie. I love the Deadpool movies, which is really funny because I would never have expected me to love them so much. They're probably tw- if I was having a top 10, they might be in the top 10, but that would take a lot of work because I would have to include DC movies, whoops, sorry, and all this other stuff. But I could see them taking a top spot. Specifically, I love Deadpool 2 <laughs> so much, which I feel like is an unpopular opinion. I think most people think Deadpool 1 is better. I love Deadpool 2 for some reason. I did watch because I watched it on a quote-unquote totally legal site, and for some reason that version was the extended version. But I don't think that's why I liked it specifically. I think Deadpool 2 was just fun overall. Especially the end where he's like going back in time and the baby Hitler stuff is funny. <laughs> going to shoot his character from the Wolverine movie was funny. Like There's just a lot of good stuff in Deadpool 2. Um... So when it was announced that Deadpool would be brought into the MCU so that it could continue, I was super excited along with all the fans of Deadpool. And it's been a constant question in the back of all of our minds through the years about how they would do that and when we would finally be able to see it. At this point, it's been something that I kind of put on the back burner in my mind because I'm like, that's going to be way far down the line. But I'm really excited that now we have some news to grab onto and we have a date and everything. So even though it's still far away... Um, it's still, it's still here. It's still on the way. I guess almost two years. Because November 2024, about two years. And two years can fly by, so. 
But we have tons of other good content, even outside of the MCU, that will have a lot of fun regardless on the way there. I want What I wanted to do in this section is to call out a poster on Reddit for being right, because everyone was making fun of them when they posted this. But I, And like I said before, I usually don't add usernames to these podcast discussions because people are weird and they go harass people and go to old posts and try to comment on them, which I know most people probably don't do, but I just want to prevent that as much as possible. Um, but shout out to this person, and I'm going to name them legitimate underscore excuse 663 because they literally predicted this and (laughs) no one gave them credit at all they pointed out that blake lively posted a photo of her pregnant posing next to her husband in a deadpool suit if for some reason you don't know she's married to ryan reynolds and they have children and this user on reddit was theorizing that this had to be recent even though the suit that he's wearing is the ashed-up suit from Deadpool 2, because according to the births of their children, it would not be possible for this to be a throwback picture, because Blake was not pregnant while they were filming Deadpool 2, or even Deadpool 1, I'm pretty sure. So they said it had to be recent, and that it could be from Ryan filming something as Deadpool right now, and then they go on to talk about like what projects he could be making an appearance in. Like, could it be She-Hulk? Could it be this? Could it be that? And they were correct. It is a recent photo. They just didn't know that it was for this specifically. (laughs) But justice for a legitimate excuse, uh, 666 or whatever their name is, I forget. Because they literally, they they were like, this has to be recent. And everybody was like, what are you talking about? No, like all the comments were just not with it at all. So anyway, the first teaser is a short video of Ryan Reynolds talking about Deadpool 3. And he said they were sorry to miss D23, but they've been working on the project for a long time now. And then there's a montage of Ryan doing random stuff, and he talks about soul-searching to figure out how to make this movie. And in one of the montage clips, Ryan is wearing the ashy suit from Deadpool 2 while typing on a typewriter, and also while sitting on the toilet. And when he's sitting on the toilet, he's reading a semi-recent comic that features Deadpool and Wolverine teaming up. And shout out to New Rockstars for that info because I don't know how people are so talented at picking out comic books and knowing which ones they are by the most grainy-ass screenshots of the front of a comic book. People are crazy. So I wanted to mention that, and I got that info from New Rockstars. So the legends over there figured that out. But anyway, after the montage, uh, he finally is like, Jesus, I'm getting notification after notification on my phone. I should turn my phone on Do Not Disturb because I get so distracted when I'm recording and I get freaking notifications. Anyway, um, after the montage, he finally is like, and I got nothing. And then Hugh Jackman walks through the background and Ryan asks if he wants to play Wolverine one more time, to which he responds, yeah, sure. And then we get a little wink and a nod from Ryan, and then we see the title treatment, which has Wolverine's claws slashing through the Deadpool logo, and obviously has three claws, if for some reason you don't know anything about Wolverine, and so Deadpool 3. And then it says, coming hewn. So this was posted to uh, to Twitter by Ryan Reynolds, with the caption, 
hard keeping my mouth sewn shut about this one, which is a reference to Deadpool's really weird appearance he had in that one Wolverine movie. And when I was doing my X-Men watch through for the first time, I had never seen any of those movies. And I think it was last summer where I watched them all. But when I saw that Ryan Reynolds played Wade Wilson and Deadpool in that freaking Wolverine movie and that he actually plays Deadpool later on, I was like, what the fuck? Because for some reason, I never knew about that. And I've been in this nerd gaming comic book type of culture for so long, literally since middle school. And I was in middle school back in... 2005 to 2008 anyway um, and for some reason I never knew because when people were wanting Ryan Reynolds to play Deadpool was it because he had played him in that stupid Wolverine movie or was it just because they thought he would be good for the character that's what I always thought but for some reason I had missed that and so that like blew my mind and then somebody I tweeted that and somebody commented like oh just wait until Deadpool 2 and then that's when you see him go and kill that version of himself but anyway um the second clip which was also tweeted out by Ryan Reynolds was captioned quick explanation no not explanation quick explainer video that tackles timeline questions Logan canon MCU FAQ and whether we can do this all day or not and then this clip features Ryan and Hugh together. First, they address the timeline and how Logan would be alive. And Ryan says Logan takes place in 2029. And so obviously that's something different. This is not going to be them trying to continue that story. And then they get into further explanation, which is covered by the song Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And the subtitles are only showing question marks. And that whole section has been decoded by John Boy. And I'm pretty sure that video is on YouTube, so you can search that. And then New Rockstars also did a video talking about that as well. So that's where you find out all the stuff there, which really isn't anything crazy, but there's a little bit of hints. Obviously, it doesn't give anything away really at all. But then the clip ends with a montage of past photos of them. And yeah. This is super exciting. It's also super exciting to see Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine because his portrayal of the character made me love Wolverine more because in the comics, Wolverine is a fan favorite. A lot of people love Wolverine. He just was never like my favorite favorite. I have other like favorites. Obviously, I think he's a good character and everything. But this made me like and appreciate Wolverine a lot more was how Hugh Jackman played him. Which is funny because there was a lot of criticism <laughs> when that casting was first announced way back in the day. And I think because Hugh did such a good job while being in such not good movies, <laughs> it made his character really special. Days of Future Past is my favorite X-Men movie. And Logan is, again, in the top of my all-time comic book movies probably. Because it's so, so good. It's just... The only thing I didn't like about Logan is when he and Charles go to this family and they're staying the night and they eat dinner with them and that family ends up dying because it's like, why does this black family have to die in a vicious way? Very weird. Um, and out of place. Not really out of place, I guess, but just very weird. 
And also, overall, it's kind of a depressing movie, and I'm the type of person that stops watching Titanic after they hit the iceberg because the end is too depressing to me. I don't know why. (laughs) There's something about, like, knowing a story is going to end and there's nothing that will change no matter how many times you watch it that makes a movie hard for me to watch. So, it's not like Logan is the most rewatchable movie for me ever, but it's just so good. So... I'm super excited for him to be back. And I don't, for me, I don't think it's like erasing anything at all. Because I think it is going to be done in a way where like this is its own thing. It's paying homage to this character. And it doesn't have to take away from the emotional impact of Logan. And I think they're going to do that well. So I don't think people have to worry about that at all. It's like, I even didn't mind the solo Wolverine movies that much. That one that Deadpool is in is kind of ridiculous, but like... The one where he goes to Japan is, like, entertaining. (laughs) And what was the other one, actually? There were three total. I guess the Japan one sticks out to me. But, yeah, like, that's how you know (laughs) that the casting is great. Because you can watch mediocre movies and still enjoy (laughs) the character. And then, yeah, Deadpool 2 sets this movie up in a pretty direct way. Eric Vost also talked about this in the new Rockstars video. Um, And this is another one of those moments where I feel so secure in my knowledge because I had already written out all of this and then I watched that video and I was like, oh wow, I was making the same points. And I just love when I can be on the same page as uh, people who are inspiring to me in their knowledge and everything when it comes to Marvel stuff. But basically, at the end of Deadpool 2... Wade has Cable's uh, time travel device and jumps all around time. And this includes a scene, like I mentioned, of him going to shoot his character from that Wolverine movie. And in the scene, he tells Wolverine that one day they're going to go on adventures together and to make sure he accepts the offer. So now that we have the multiverse happening in the MCU, this is a perfect time to make this movie. And I like that it can kind of have that callback to Deadpool uh, 2. And that basically (laughs) the MCU at this point has made it so that that's not just a joke, like, a thing. It can actually mean that this is the movie that they wanted to make. And it's also the perfect way to bring Deadpool into 616 and for Hugh Jackman to make an appearance later in Secret Wars. At the time, I apparently said that we didn't know when this movie was going to be coming out, but now we do. It's going to be a lead-up for Secret Wars, and it's exciting. Um. Oh, yeah, and then this is where I wrote about not caring that he's going to be coming back and it doesn't mean that it has to erase the impact of Logan. Same with, I really liked Sir Patrick Stewart coming back to do Multiverse's Madness and I just know this will be on an even bigger, more awesome level. And then Deadpool 3 reportedly starts filming at the beginning of 2023. I also guess I should mention this. Um, John Krasinski responded to one of these tweets saying, wait, isn't this our movie? And, like, what does that even mean? Is he making a joke? Is he being serious? It's so out of left field. But just keep that one in your back pocket. Because what? And that's pretty much the commentary I have on that. So, um, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. It's kind of been all over the place, catching up on a lot of news. Um, next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'll start planning something and hopefully I'm going to start uploading these freaking things on Mondays. Um, like I originally intended to, but anyway, 
I will see you in the next one, whenever that is. Thank you for bearing with me and goodbye. I don't know. What are my outros? I don't remember what they are. Anyway, see you later. Thank you.